And you're on right now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo Five O Radio Network. Your daily journal of news, politics, and culture from an American nationalist perspective. Bringing you the news behind the news, the story behind the story. Here to convince you the reality is usually scoffed at, and illusion is usually king. We're streaming live on iHeartRadio and available as a podcast on iTunes, TuneIn, Spreaker, and Spotify. I'm on Twitter at RightNowJimDawes, or you can shoot me an email at RightNowJimDawes at gmail.com. Or you can call the vent line, leave your rants, and we might use your call on the broadcast at 772-245-0750. That's 772-245-0750. Can we just put the notion that Nancy Pelosi is a master legislator and a keen tactician who knows all the levers to pull in Washington? She has had to uh, cave and back down on her 1,400-page pork-laden special interest coronavirus bill. And she has done more damage to the Democrats' election prospects in 2020 than could possibly be done. She exposed her party as being more concerned about Washington lobbyists and their identity special interest groups with this 1,400-page bill than anything that Donald Trump could have done. Of course, you know this bill was loaded up with special interest uh, giveaways, $300 million for the refugee rackets. uh, I think it was $35 million to public broadcasting. Huge amounts of money to all of their special, uh, you know, uh, elite cultural Uh, coastal elites, pet projects. She wanted to implement same-day voter registration so they could implement the same voter harvesting schemes that worked so well for them in California. Had nothing to do without actually giving the American people some relief over this economic crisis that was brought on by this coronavirus. And we've got some news on this coronavirus that will just absolutely blow your mind. It's it's coming out that this uh, Donald Trump was once again right. The the mortality rate, the number of people uh, infected people that this virus kills is far, far less than we were originally led to believe. Trump came out and said it was probably going to come in at less than one percent and the media lost their minds. Donald Trump is minimizing the hazard. He's not listening to the scientists. Turned out, it once again, he was exactly correct. But after holding up this bill and, and Nancy's little ploy, uh, torpedoing the Senate's procedural uh, motion with a filibuster by the Democrats, it's probably going to cost this bill about four days before getting passed. But she's now backed down. And one of the main reasons she backed down is because of, of social media that just was all over this exposing this 1400 pages with all of the the uh pork and special interest giveaways it contained and the republican national committee put out a an ad that uh that that really just was devastating to the democrats 
We're at war. In a true sense, we're at war. And we're fighting an invisible enemy. While President Trump is leading the greatest fight of our lifetime for America, the Democrats are unbelievably fighting a different war for their agenda. They're delaying the coronavirus relief package. There's also a lot of political gamesmanship, yet Democrats are utilizing these motions as leverage, basically, at this point. Delay, delay, delay. No sense of urgency. We'll be introducing our own bill, and hopefully it'll be compatible. For tax credits for solar and wind energy, carbon emission standards for airlines, climate change studies, policing diverse makeup of corporate boards, retirement plans for community newspaper employees, and $300 million for public broadcasting. Senate Democrats have slammed the brakes on a massive coronavirus stimulus bill, preventing the measure from moving forward. While Americans are suffering, Democrats are seizing the opportunity. This is not the time to place politics over people's lives. Well, you can't tell that to the Democrats because the Democrats are always playing politics. They drug us through the Russiagate hoax, and then they, they tried to impeach this president based on another Ukraine hoax. It was loosely related, but it was uh, both the Russia hoax and the Ukraine hoax were both deci- designed to be a cover-up for their illegal activity. In the case of the Russiagate hoax, of course, it was Hillary Clinton's use of uh, a foreign sources to try to smear her political opponent and using the law enforcement and intelligence agencies in the Obama administration for political ends that was exposed. And so they trotted out their fellow swamp creatures to attack the president and try to cover up for their wrongdoing. And then when the president stumbled upon Joe Biden's um, illegal activities in the Ukraine, of course, they, they counterattacked with the uh, impeachment hoax that, that drug us uh, through about a year of, of really uh, destructive partisan politics. And it's hard to argue at this point that the coronavirus is any more deadly to this nation than the Democrat virus. The Democrats have become a virus. They've infected this nation with their brand of politics that promises everyone everything uh, that they ever wanted with Um, you know, no ability to actually deliver on it, but they're perfectly happy to be the party of yes. You want that? Okay, we're all for it. You want this? Okay, we're all for it. And they actually put together this bill trying to push through those uh, those empty promises. And you had this uh, representative uh, Clyburn of South Carolina, the man who's credited with bailing out old Joe Biden's campaign, uh, saying that uh, this uh, this bill and this emergency is a tremendous opportunity to restructure things to fit the Democrats' vision, and lasted for about uh, what two days before they were exposed and had to back down off of it. But they're going to carry the stigma with them into this 2020 election campaign season. So the latest attack line of the media and the Democrats or the president has said that we need to get this economy up and running because the uh, uh, the cure for this coronavirus could end up do- doing more damage than the coronavirus itself. And now we know that the infection rate and the mortality rate of this disease is less than originally warned by the so-called experts. 
And the president is saying, you know, we've got to get America back to work. We've got to reopen for business. Now, whether, and he's hoping to do it by Easter. Now, whether or not we're going to be able to, um, you know, call off these measures designed to limit the spread of the virus by Easter, we don't know yet. But the president is saying that his, that's his aspiration. He would like to have the country opened again by Easter. So the Democrats and the media are saying, oh, that's irresponsible. Trump needs to listen to the, uh, the, the scientists, and, and this can't possibly be the case. Well, it's certainly a good goal if you look at the timeline that, uh, that they were on in China and then South Korea. A couple of more weeks of this, especially given this ramp up in the testing, uh, could be um, possible. It's sort of a long shot, but Trump is being aspirational. And he said that, you know, after a couple of weeks, actually, actually, I think it's more like 18 days that uh, he'll re- reevaluate and uh, and decide. So, you know, what the president's doing is what any good businessman will do. He's uh, he's setting goals. Then he uh, is going to adjust his strategy as conditions warrant. And it gives people hope. It gives uh, people a, a date certain that they can shoot for uh, instead of becoming frustrated and, and depressed. And as a result of Nancy and the Democrats backing down off of their ridiculous stimulus uh, package giveaways and the president's aspirational goals of uh, reopening this economy as soon as two weeks from now, the stock market was up over 11 percent, 2,100 points yesterday, made up for a week's worth of losses, and uh, and they were they were doing that because uh, things were starting to look up. the The response uh, bill coming out of the Senate was back on track, and the president was signaling his intention to get this thing going again. CBS News has become probably one of the most irresponsible and uh, dishonest news outlets that you could possibly imagine in the legacy media. They have abandoned all pretense of objectivity or honesty. And they're pushing the story that uh, an Arizona couple took the drug that the president was um, saying that he had great hope in, chloroquine, and that the husband died and the woman is uh, in IC, uh, the the wife is in ICU. That's their big headlines. That that uh, a couple took the drug that the president is saying could cure coronavirus. And it killed the husband and landed the wife in ICU. And on the on the the web page, if you look at it, they're holding up a pack of chloroquine tablets. And there's so much wrong with this story that it's hard to know where to start. First of all, the president never said that chloroquine was the the drug that he thought might be the silver bullet. It was hydroxychloroquine. A, a different drug paired with um, 
zithromycin. They call it Z-Pax because it's difficult to pronounce. Zithromycin. And that has had uh, positive effects. But even worse than that, the CBS News story pretends until you get into the story that they took chloroquine and it nearly killed them. They didn't take chloroquine. It's a totally fake news story. They, they drank an aquarium cleaner, an additive to an aquarium cleaner that has chloroquine in it, but it also it's chloroquine phosphate. Yeah, it killed them because there wasn't any dosage. There wasn't any quality control and it wasn't designed for human consumption. How is it even possible that CBS News, wasn't that the home of uh, Chet Brinkley, one of the you know great newscasters of our times? Wasn't CBS News at one time a legitimate news source? Now they're out there spreading blatantly false headlines accompanied with a, 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 a photograph that's designed to deceive the reader. How is that possible? Have they just, you know, accepted their role as fake news in this new social media environment where everybody's desperate to get clicks and eyeballs? Have they just just decided to run with their new role as fake news media? And they're arguing that, you know, the president calling them the enemy of the American people is somehow... Um, immoral and wrong, how could they possibly be any more fitting of that description than putting forward these news, these, these fake news stories? They immediately attack Trump for saying he wants to open the country by uh, uh, the economy by Easter. They say it's despite the warnings of many health experts. Well, yeah, you could probably find many health experts that think that that's possible as well. And the president said repeatedly, he's going to listen to the experts and then make his own decision. This guy's been in high level businesses for all of his adult life prior to this last four years. He's used to listening to experts and then making an independent position or a decision because guess what? You can find experts on every side of the issue You've got to listen to their uh, to their input and then make a decision. And I don't doubt that this is uh, that Donald Trump in his career has ignored expert advice many times and often been correct. And in this current crisis, Donald Trump's uh, prognostications have been correct repeatedly. You got Michelle Goldberg, who enjoys a regular column in the New York Times, the fake news New York Times, appearing on MSNBC, forwarding this this whole chloroquine aquarium cleaner hoax. Well, I don't care about the markets, but it's clearly been bad for public health. I mean, there was already a case of a man who died after taking too much of a drug, an untested drug that Trump has been touting as a cure for this disease. Now, she was on MSNBC. She is a columnist and uh, for the New York Times. Now, you can no longer tell the difference between the news sections and the opinion sections in the New York Times, and Michelle Goldberg is one of their thought leaders, one of their opinion makers. 
out there in the public blatantly forwarding false news that people took chloroquine and it killed them when in fact they took a an aquarium cleaner that was never designed for human consumption it was chloroquine phosphate and in any case that's not what the president is saying uh, is the possible cure to begin with He's saying it's hydroxychloroquine coupled with z we got to run out to a break. Stick with us. We'll be right back. If you are trying to quit drinking or doing too many drugs, listen to me. You don't know me and we'll never meet. I had a problem like you once. I drank and used to party a little too much till it got out of control and almost ruined my life. I realized I needed help to fix my problem before it totally destroyed me. If you've tried to fix your drinking and drug problem and you know you can't do it alone, you need to call the National Treatment Advisors. They'll immerse you into a 30-day program to replace your old habits with new habits and totally change your life. And if you have PPO, private health insurance, the entire program may be covered. Fix your problem right now before it gets any worse. Get clean. Call now and learn more. 800-957-6209. 800-957-6209. 800 That's 800-957-6209. So you remember back when this whole crisis first started, we had the World Health Organization, um, uh, an arm of the United Nations, their director of world, their general director, his name is Tedros Admonimum Gehrbatas, Yabba-dabba-doo, claimed that uh, the fatality rate for coronavirus was 3.5%, which is about 30 times higher than the mortality rate from the common flu. And it was based on the number of uh, cases that had been diagnosed and the mortality rate. Of course, the cases at that point that had been diagnosed already or the cases that showed up at the hospital, mostly elderly people, and they did have a high death rate. But much of this current response was based on that UN World Health Organization's uh, claim. And the statement was patently false. It was never true to begin with. When the president looked at the numbers, he saw through the errors and, and came out and said that, as near as he can tell, the actual death rate is below 1%. And that is, um, you know, just the people that have been infected. Now, 1% is a big number. That's uh, as high as 10% uh, ti- um, uh, times the normal flu. But if you quarantine the people in the high-risk categories and go about your business, let everybody else um, you know, go about their business. Some will catch it. Many will not even know that they have caught the virus. Some will come down with a bad case of the flu, but the people that would die are the people that have underlying health conditions or are elderly, and they are perfectly able to segregate and, and uh, isolate themselves. 
So it's becoming more and more clear that the reaction to this coronavirus was way over the top. If they had had accurate information and weren't, um, you know, being pushed by the um, the fake news media, the res- the correct response would have been to find the people that are at risk, quarantine them, and quarantine, yes, uh, isolate them, and uh, and everybody else go about their business. You know, you have to ask yourself, how many people that would have died of the regular flu didn't get it this year, and uh, and and didn't lie, uh, and, and and didn't die? There's a there's a certain amount of people that would have died from the regular flu that didn't catch it and didn't die because of these uh, these isolation measures that we've engaged in. So we'll probably come out of the other end of this with fewer deaths from the flu season than we would have otherwise. And that's what this, uh, this coronavirus is. It's a flu. We, we need to, to keep calling it the, the communist flu or the Chinese communist flu because the coronavirus is just a flu virus. The flu is a coronavirus. Uh, SARS was a coronavirus. The swine flu was a coronavirus. Calling this virus by the term coronavirus will scare the bejesus out of everybody the next time a flu rolls around because the media and CBS News and the New York Times will be out there and saying, oh, it's another coronavirus. The sky is falling. Let's see, I've got about two minutes left in this segment. I want to play you a clip of Dr. Deborah Bricks. She's the head of the the coordinator for the Coronavirus White House Task Force, and she's talking about these infection rates. I just want to speak to the Americans for just a second, though. We have to ensure that we still are testing, even though... Probably by today, we will have done more tests than South Korea did in eight weeks, in the last eight days. In the last eight Mm -hmm. days, Mm -hmm. we've done more testing than South Korea. But we did that because we transformed the testing process as the president spoke to. But we don't want people who are just worried to go get tested. If you don't have a persistent fever, if you don't have a cough, if you're not in the risk group, if you're not a nurse or doctor... We really want the testing and the drive-through testing and the testing that is provided in the cities to be very much still focused on the people who need it. Because there's only so much even those high-throughput machines are doing. They're doing about 50, 60, 70,000 tests a day now. They could get potentially to 150,000 a day. But we want to make sure mm-hmm. we're testing in the areas that really have the problems. And the areas that really have a problem right now is New York. New York now has uh, confirmed 26,000 cases with 271 dead. That's triple the number of infections for the entire country of South Korea. Now, South Korea has 51 million people. New York City has about 9 million people. And already, New York has got uh, uh, a... an increased number of infections. I suspect that that's because testing has been more widespread there. 
But you got to keep in mind that all of this was avoidable. The health commissioner in New York City told people early on, today our city is celebrating the Lunar New Year in Chinatown, a beautiful cultural tradition with a rich history. I want to remind everyone to enjoy the parade and not change any plans due to misinformation spreading about coronavirus. So now the country is uh, is going to be in a position to recover, but we're going to be dragged down by the Marxist mayor of New York, Bill de Blasio. We've got to run out to a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the origins of this virus and why everyone is ignoring entirely that it came from right next door to China's viral germ warfare laboratory right after these messages on Right Now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo Five O Radio Network. When the weather outside is frightful, the Hyundai Santa Fe is, hmm, what's the word? Delightful. Because it's got available H-Track all-wheel drive to make being out together better. Enter for your chance to win the newly redesigned Santa Fe, packed with all the jingle bells and whistles you need to go dashing through the snow together. To enter, visit Amazon.com slash Hyundai or scan the QR code on specially marked red and green Amazon boxes. No purchase necessary. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details. And you're back on Right Now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo Five O Radio Network. Your daily journal of news, politics, and culture from an America First perspective. We should never be reliant on a foreign country for the means of our own survival. I think we've learned a lot. We've learned a lot. This crisis has underscored just how critical it is to have strong borders and a robust manufacturing sector. For three years, we've embarked on a great national project to secure our immigration system and bring back our manufacturing jobs. We brought back many jobs, records numbers of record numbers of jobs. And this really shows this experience shows how important borders are. Without borders, you don't have a nation. Our goal for the future must be to have American medicine for American patients, American supplies for American hospitals and American equipment for our great American heroes. Now both parties must unite to ensure the United States is truly an independent nation in every sense of the word. Energy independence, we've established that. And something incredible that we've established. We're energy independent, manufacturing independence, economic independence, and territorial independence enforced by strong, sovereign borders. America will never be a supplicant nation. 
We will be a proud, prosperous, independent, and self-reliant nation. We will embrace commerce with all, but we will be dependent on none. So the president is on TV now, um, sometimes as much as two hours a day, uh, heading this task force. He's got Vice President Pence at his side, who is a uh, just a very calming and reassuring uh, voice in the middle of this crisis. And the president is constantly trying to get things back on track, handle the crisis, handle the economy, reassure people that uh, this thing will pass and restore uh, the policies that are necessary to prevent us from being in this position again. And at the same time, this is going on. You got poor old Joe Biden who's locked up in his, uh, his mansion in Delaware, uh, trying to give these, these, um, remote, uh, television appearances and these daily shadow press conferences. And really, I mean, if you look at them they're I think they're doing more harm than good. They, they come off more like a, like a series of outtakes, something that you would leave on the editing floor uh, if, if uh, you know, it wasn't live. And, and he's, he's not helping his campaign. He's, he's hurting it. So that at the same time, the president is being seen as being interjected, proactive, fearless, because he's out there doing his job. He's not hiding in the house. Joe Biden is, uh, is showing, uh, you know, his his lack of ability to even grasp the nuances of this thing and his really low energy. I mean, he's coming off just uh, uh, like a, an old guy in a study, you know, low energy, uh, sort of mumbling and, and unable to really get it together. And I just don't see how the Democrats are going to put this guy up against Trump. I think by the time the convention comes around in July, they're going to realize that they have made a massive, massive error nominating Joe Biden. And there's a lot of talk now, of course, about uh, they're going to bring uh, Andrew Cuomo, the governor of New York, forward in some sort of brokered convention and, and install him as the Democrats' nominee. Now, if if they do that, I can tell you that everybody that uh, supported any of these other candidates, and they started out with 14 other candidates, are going to feel cheated because the Democrat National Committee jawboned everybody into getting behind Biden when they should have known that Biden was not up to the task. I've got a clip here. This is uh, this is old Joe Biden speaking from his study in a undisclosed location in Delaware. And uh, you tell me if you that this guy who has nothing to do all day but rest and study sounds like he's got the energy to take on an emergency like this. Just act like a president. That's a stupid way to say it. You know, guess, Donald Trump really was asked. Wishing... On... Sorry. Go ahead. No, no, I probably best I don't. All right, let me ask you this. I just, I just can't figure the guy. It's like, it's, I don't know. It's like watching a yo-yo. I shouldn't have said it that way. It's like watching. It feels a, that way. A, I want to ask. A, I want. <laughs> So he was on there with Nicole Wallace of MSNBC, and Nicole Wallace could not be any more friendly an interviewer who's trying to give Joe Biden a chance to take his licks at Donald Trump, and, and Joe can't really formulate uh, a good attack line. And when he when he does, uh, he's sort of got the, the intuition and the realization that it is uh, deeply dishonorable to be, be attacking 
the commander in chief at a time they're calling this a war. I think that's a bit of an exaggeration, but uh, in their minds, this thing is a war. And Biden knows that he shouldn't be on TV attacking the president if he as he tries to deal with this. But he can't even uh, come up with alternatives. He tries to attack the president, knows he's misspeaking, and sort of backs off. In response to the president saying that we have to make sure that the cure for this coronavirus is not worse than the disease, which I've been saying for weeks, we're doing more damage to the economy and probably costing more lives uh, with the response to this coronavirus than the actual virus itself. Trump said the same thing, and this was Biden's response. And reassess the recommended period for keeping businesses shut and people at home. Are you at all concerned, as Trump said, that we cannot let the cure be worse than the problem itself? We have to take care of the cure. That will make the problem worse no matter what. No matter what. We know what has to be done. We know you have to... Uh, say what? We have to take care of the cure. That will make the problem worse no matter what. Uh, I mean, really? This is what the Democrats have brought forward? Seriously, he has nothing to do all day but rest and read up and come up with, you know, alternative plans. And uh, he can't even formulate a coherent sentence. Let the cure be worse than the problem itself? We have to take care of the cure. That will make the problem worse no matter what. No matter what. We know what has to be done. We know you have to... Uh, so the big talk now is they're going to get Andrew Como to step in because he's been able to get a lot of TV time during this crisis. And, you know, it, it, let's face it, Andrew Como is a typical Dem. He's, he's up there saying that, uh, you know, we can't sacrifice his 90-year-old mother because, you know, no matter how much it costs society that we have to protect every single human life. you got to keep in mind this is the same guy that signed into law in New York State, a bill that allows post-birth uh, post abortions, abortions right up and until the birth of the child. But we know who Democrats are. They're, they're deeply, um, I, I guess I would use the word evil, but at least this Democrat can formulate a sentence and, and bring some energy to the campaign and and I just, I don't, I don't believe that the Democrats are going to go through with the nomination of Joe Biden at their, their, um, convention. Although Joe Biden is saying no matter what, you know, Trump is, is wrong to reopen the economy and put people back to work. But Biden's saying that no matter what we have to move forward with the Democrat national uh, convention in Milwaukee in July. So it's okay to put 50,000 people in Milwaukee in, uh, in a, uh, a convention center and, and around there. But, um, but the president talking about putting people back to work, well, that's just wrong. We can't do that. Joe Biden is to the point now where he's not even being given any respect when he shows up on these TV shows. He appeared with Jake Tapper. And Jake was trying to give him one of these softball interviews to help him, uh, you know, forward his campaign. And Jake couldn't 
couldn't ignore the fact that Biden was ignoring the advice of the public health professionals. I've not talked to any individual. <clears throat> Excuse me. You know, you're supposed to cough into your elbow. I don't know, sir. That's, I learned that actually covering your White House. That's, that you no, did, I, actually, actually, that's true. But fortunately, I'm alone in my home. But that's OK. All right. I, I agree. You're right. You should just it's, just it's kind of old school to do it with your hand. Do it into your elbow. You're supposed to do it. Um, well, in a new Harris poll released uh, yesterday, the president has gotten the highest poll numbers he's had in office. He's now at 51 percent and his approval numbers for his handling of the coronavirus crisis is at 55 percent. A full 85 percent of Republicans approve of the president and 19 percent of the Democrats do. Independent voters are now evenly split 50-50 between the president. That is a recipe for re-election. And this is what happens in, in times of crisis. People rally around their leaders, and uh, there's every indication to see that this president, despite uh, constant attack by the media and the Democrats, has in fact been doing a pretty good job. I mean, you could say that there have been missteps. You could say he could have done things different or better, but that's that's the case in life. Anything good could always have been done sooner. You can always make that argument. And for the Democrats and the media to, to say, well, he should have done this sooner, he should have done that sooner, or he had a misstep, well, that's just second-guessing. And that's why I think these videos that are coming out of Joe Biden's study are having the, uh, the exact opposite effect. I think they're engendering um, resentment that Biden is uh, second-guessing the president instead of being part of the solution, offering constructive solutions and encouragement. He's sitting there, you know, basically trying to tear down the president. If you go look at his Twitter feed, it is just one long string of attacks. The president's unfit. The president's immoral. We've got to remove this president. Exactly exactly the wrong time to be engaging in that sort of rhetoric. So I want to talk a little bit about why we're entirely ignoring at this point, the origin of this uh, virus. You know, the president after the Chinese communist party started claiming that this was uh, brought to China by American service members labeled it the Chinese virus. And of course that caused a meltdown in the media and they said it was racist, <laughs> despite the fact that they had been referring to it as the Chinese virus or the Wuhan virus for weeks and weeks leading up to that. But I can't really wrap my mind around why people aren't more curious and why news hasn't covered the story that this virus emanated from the one city in China with the highest level virus virology the virus lab uh there in wuhan and it's supposed to be like 20 miles away from this wet market where the chinese communist party claims this uh this come this came from and and you know that after the release of the virus uh the chinese communists refused to allow any american uh, disease specialists on the ground over there and you figure the odds. I know coincidences happen all the time in life, but you figure the odds on a, a nation the size of China. It's much bigger in landmass in the United States. 
having this virus emerge from the one little speck on that map where China has its germ warfare laboratories. Yes, that's right. I said it, germ warfare laboratories. This is not a conspiracy theory on my part. Experts uh, in germ warfare and, uh, and its origins have labeled this laboratory in Wuhan as uh, the place where China violates UN conventions and conducts studies on germ warfare. You know, if CBS News or the New York Times wanted to actually do some serious reporting, they would look into the possibility that either the, the virus originated there in that laboratory, either purposefully or by accident. But they've shown complete disinterest in even allowing any uh, discussion of that to happen. They call anybody who, who points out the obvious fact a conspiracy theorist. They say, oh, that, that's been debunked. They always say anything that they disagree with has been debunked. There has been no debunking. This theory is actually very bunked <laughs> at this point. But, you know, these are the same people that the consensus of scientists that claim that there's man-made global warming destroying the planet or these these other experts that told us that Saddam Hussein had weapons of mass destruction. Same scientists that tell us that uh, President Trump is mentally ill. Now, it's possible that this virus did come out of this wet market, this place in China where uh, Chinese people kill and, and butcher wild animals for human consumption. But there's been no investigation to prove that at this point. We're just sort of taking the word of the media because the, uh, uh, the reality otherwise would be too terrible to contemplate. But I think, um, I think this whole episode has really given America's enemies a roadmap on how to destroy America. If you can introduce a, a virulent strain of the flu into the United States and shut down its economy and cause all of this um, disruption and destruction, well, then you've, you, you, you know exactly how to conquer this country and destroy the United States. So let's just consider that if you want to accept uh, the, the media's narrative that this came from a wet market in Wuhan, China, that just happens to be located 20 miles away from their germ warfare laboratories. Let's, let's uh, accept that as, as the truth. China is a densely populated country with a population of over a billion people. And they don't even have the basic controls on, uh, on food production to limit the rise and spread of these viruses. I've got a clip here. It's it's uh, from the Australian production of 60 Minutes about these Asian wet markets. Here in hot, squalid, and cramped conditions, wild animals smuggled in from all over the world. I think of this place as a tortured chamber and a filthy laboratory all mixed into one. From AIDS to SARS, 
And now the pandemic affecting over 80 countries worldwide. Most new diseases infecting mankind are caused by a virus that began in a wild animal and leapt to humans in settings just like this. So whether or not this thing originated in a wet market or whether whether it came from that uh, that germ laboratory, we've got a big problem because we're entering a phase with our relationships with China where we're going to try to reorder our trade policies and our uh, our defense posture toward this communist dictatorship. And now as a result of this this Wuhan virus, we have given them a, an absolute roadmap on how to take this country down. Well, I want to talk a little bit. I'm, I'm sort of late covering this story because I've got an hour uh, show every day and and uh, there's been so much other news, but uh, and we talked about it briefly. But this Senator Richard Burr, who was caught using inside information in order to sell his stock holdings before everybody else became aware of it, He's head of the uh, Senate Intelligence Committee. He's the guy that sat there and allowed uh, the Democrats to use the Senate Intelligence Committee to forward this Russiagate hoax. He would start all of the meetings of the Senate Intelligence Committee about the necessity of being bipartisan and uh, and just uh, handling this thing in a uh, a very dispassionate way, the Russiagate hoax. And then he would pass it on to the ranking member, uh, Richard Warner of Virginia, who would then just basically tee off on Trump and put together, uh, put forward all of this fake information and and uh, and attack the president. So you know, Burr would sit up there and say, "We've got to be bipartisan," and then he would stand there and hold Warner's coat while Warner used the committee and mobilized it against the newly elected president at the time. And now. That same Richard Burr has been caught using inside information that he received from a a briefing on the coronavirus. He ran out the next day and personally traded almost, well, actually all of his stock holdings. As much as $1.6 million, everything he had in the stock, he sold. Everything he had in the stock market, he sold. He didn't make defensive trades. He just bailed out of the market. Now, if the Securities and Exchange Commission are not going to prosecute this guy for uh, for insider trading like they did um, for Martha Stewart and send his sorry ass to jail, then there really is no justice in this country. And I think the president could instruct Bill Barr, his attorney general, to open an investigation of Richard Burr that would result in a prosecution. Here's uh, Peter Schweitzer, author of Clinton Cash and and his newest book, whose title escapes me right now, but I'll think of it uh, by the time the end of this clip comes along. Peter Schweitzer on Richard Burr's insider trading. 
Um, what you always look for on insider trading, whether it's uh, in the private sector or in the government, you're looking for, does an individual have access to uh, non-public material information that is going to move markets or move the value of the stock of a particular company. Senator Burr certainly had that. Second thing you look for is timing. Did they do some well-timed trades that, that revolved around those? And in the case of Senator Burr, yes. He sold 33, he had 33 sales transactions on February the 13th uh, as he was getting these briefings. So the, the point is the trades occurred right around the time, actually right after he received those briefings. And the third question is, did they make um, really well-timed trades that are unusual for them? And in the case of Senator Burr, that's absolutely the case. If you look at the trades that he's made over the course of his public career, you don't find any other time when he uh, uh, does a massive amount of sales. And indeed, you mentioned over a million dollars. That represents more than half of his entire net worth. So what Senator Burr is basically doing is he's selling everything or close to everything that he has uh, in the stock market. Um, So all of that, to me, is the hallmark of insider trading. He's admitted now publicly that he himself did these trades. In other words, he's not, you know, saying his advisor did it without his knowledge. Uh, To me, this is a slam dunk case of insider trading. So Burr's response is, oh, well, I'm calling for the Senate Ethics Committee to investigate me. Yeah. I bet you are. The Senate Ethics Committee doesn't take any action against any senator. That's what it's des- they're designed to do, is to protect the senators when they get caught with their hand in the cookie jar. Burr wasn't the only one. Uh, this uh, Lori Lofker, uh, the junior senator from Georgia, also sold a bunch of uh, stock, but she actually bought some stock, too. Interestingly enough, she bought stocks that are likely to do well as a result of this crisis. And her husband is the president of the New York Stock Exchange, so they're dialed in. But Loeffler, at this point, claims that uh, she doesn't do her own portfolio management, that all of this is left up to uh, people that manage her investments for her. I'm inclined to believe that because she knows how these things work. In any case, she's not going to be elected in 2020. Uh, Doug Collins is going to, uh, to win that seat. But, you know, uh, Dianne Feinstein of San Francisco, she's been a senator for 30 years, I know, and uh, has gotten fabulously wealthy while she was in the Senate, engaging in just sort of these sort of insider information trades. She was also shown to have made uh, made trades related to the coronavirus, buying um, stocks that are liable to do well as a result and selling the stocks and the airlines and uh, entertainment and hospitality industries that are liable to crater because of it. But getting back to old Burr, he claimed uh, after getting caught that um, he and he was telling the public to remain calm, that the uh, American health care system is well positioned to respond to this crisis. The only problem was He was telling his big donors behind closed doors exactly the opposite thing and was caught on tape saying this. There's one thing that I can tell you about this. It is much more aggressive in its transition than anything that we have seen in recent history. It's probably more akin to the 1918 pandemic. 
So he's uh, he's already saying behind closed doors while he's telling the public to remain calm that we're going to be able to deal with this and selling off all his stocks. He's telling his big donors that this is going to be akin to the two the the nineteen eighteen Spanish flu that killed about ten million people worldwide. Uh, is that right? Is that number right? It may be a hundred million. A huge number of people worldwide. Like I saw a story today on Breitbart that U.S. Navy sailors are now being diagnosed with this coronavirus. And this is like the worst possible thing that could happen to the U.S. Navy. Now, most of these sailors are young and healthy, and they're going to come through this okay. But uh, these these ships are just Petri dishes for for contagious diseases. USS Sailors, three of them aboard the the, the Theodore Roosevelt, it's a it's a uh, carrier have been tested positive and of course they've been removed that ship has 5000 people on board and the whole ship has now been quarantined the ship is is currently deployed to the Philippine Sea uh and i i guess it's going to be uh kept at sea for uh 2 weeks it was last in port 15 days ago in Vietnam. So that's probably where these cases came from. Overall, the Navy has 86 active cases of the Wuhan virus. 57 are uh, military Navy personnel and 13 are civilian personnel. So... You know, I, I don't know how you deal with a viral outbreak, and they say that this, this virus is more contagious than most. Aboard these ships where people are stacked on top of each other, literally, in these birthing compartments, you can't, uh, you can't implement social distancing. Maybe they could, um, they, maybe they could uh, anchor off of one of these uh, tropical islands, um, many in the south. Pacific and, uh, and take everybody ashore or all unnecessary personnel ashore and, uh, and have them, them, um, self-isolate. But this is a terrible, terrible, even, even at the 1% mortality rate, that would be disastrous for the U S Navy. That's about all I've got for you today. I want to thank you for joining us and invite you back here again tomorrow. We'll find out what the stock stock market did today for another edition of Right Now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo Five O Radio Network. Look forward to talking to you then. When the weather outside is frightful, the Hyundai Santa Fe is, what's the word, delightful. Because it's got available H-Track all-wheel drive to make being out together better. Enter for your chance to win the newly redesigned Santa Fe, packed with all the jingle bells and whistles you need to go dashing through the snow together. To enter, visit Amazon.com slash Hyundai or scan the QR code on specially marked red and green Amazon boxes. No purchase necessary. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. 
Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details.